Good morning, church. It's uh, it's pretty full in here. It's pretty full in here. Um, good morning. My name is Phil. Uh, I'm actually get, I'm actually one of the deacons here uh, in Tunkhannock, and I'm excited uh, to to bring the word to you today. Uh, privileged, actually, is a word that I want to use. Um, and we're going through this series called "This Is Us," as you can see up here on the screen. And, and what this series is, if you're new with this, is really why we do what we do, like what motivates Bridgewater. You know, it's our core value series. So if you're new with this, it's a great opportunity um, to get plugged in to understand why we do the things that we do. And we're in uh, session three here. So if you're curious, we do have a, a podcast. You can go to the Bridgewater app or you go online. You can catch up with the previous ones just to learn all the things uh, there is to learn about Bridgewater. But, um, you know, I just want to say that uh, before we move in here, you know, we're talking about values, right? Like these are Bridgewater's core values, why we do what we do. So before we really get into everything, I kind of want to just look at this term, value, right? Like what, is, what does the world say about values? Um, so the dictionary actually defines value in this way. The regard that something is held to deserve. The importance, worth, or usefulness of something. Also a person's principles or standards of behavior. So when I think about values as a whole, right, you know, we make a lot of decisions based on what we value, right? Um, and sometimes we say that we value things, but we do things that maybe are not in line with that, right? Um, I personally, right, uh, financially, sometimes I want to be financially stable. I got the savings. I got all the retirement. I got all these things. But then I go out, you know, spend $700 on a flash screen. That doesn't really say that I value money, right? Um, that's, a, that's a lie. My wife will never let that happen. Um, <laughs> But you understand what I'm saying, right? You know, we, we make decisions every day based on our values. Um, and what's important about that is that we need to demonstrate those values, right? If we say something, we need to make sure that we're, um, that we're following up with them. So one of the values um, that we're going to look at today in, in, in Scripture, and we're going to be in um, John today, John 4, if you want to get your Bibles ready. Um, and we're going to look at a value that drove Jesus. And I would say because it drove Jesus, that's why it drives us here at Bridgewater. And if you're a follower of Christ, it should also drive you. Um, so we're going to kind of dive in here real quick. And um, what's happening here is that this passage of Scripture shows that Jesus values finding people that are far from God. So today, our core value, the why that we're going to be digging into today is found people, find people. Um, and you can see if you ever walk out in the lobby, we've got these little placards on the wall that have our core values on them. And this is one. So today, you know, we're going we're gonna to dive into the why. You know, why found people find people. And uh, we're going to go into this town of Samaria called Sikar, or Sikar, depending on how you want to enunciate that. Um, Jesus was traveling with his disciples. He's on his way from Galilee. Um, and unlike most Jews in that culture, he decided they were going to go straight through Samaria rather than around it. It's pretty important here later, so keep that in your pocket. Um, anyway, when he gets there, they stop, and um, you know, it's middle of the day, kind of hot. Jesus is tired. He sits down at this well, and his disciples roll into town to look for some lunch. So we're going to move in, uh, and we're going to start at verse 7. So a, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So this, is, this is what's super important about this, right? I'm going to pause here, just kind of draw this, this cultural back and forth. 
Now, I'm a sports guy, so I'm going to use a sports analogy here real quick. This is like a Cowboys fan going into Eagles Stadium and asking a Philly native for their cheesesteak, right? <laughs> not a thing. We don't do that. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is a Cowboys fan because that's, you know, sorry to Cowboys fans out there. He's probably, if I think about it, he's probably more of a Saints fan, right? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. I had to. I had to. Um, so anyway, real world perspective though, right? Like let's, let's take a look at this outside of the sports realm. Um, distance they're traveling is roughly from like Montrose to Wilkes-Barre, okay? Now us, if you're going to do that, you're probably going to drive right down 29, right through Tunkhannock. Most Jews in that day, now granted these people aren't driving, right? They're on foot, would rather walk through Meshapin or through Nicholson to not have to go through Tunkhannock to get to Wilkes-Barre. Like, that's, like, this is the culture that's there, right? They do not want anything to do with that civilization and with that culture. And what we need to realize about this specifically is that Jesus is engaging this woman very counterculturally. This is not something that anybody of his time would have ever done. Um, so we're going to move on. So you strike up this conversation. Here, here's, here's what's going on. So Jesus answered. We're going to pick up in verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whomever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you are with now, you have now, is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. And I think it's interesting the way that Jesus phrases this here, because it's almost like he's throwing a sick burn at her, like, eh, yeah, you, you're totally right that you don't have a husband. You got five, lady, okay? Um, but that's not what he's doing here. That's not what he's doing here at all. Um, He's just, he, what he's doing is he's calling this out. Like, she's embarrassed of the situation, but Jesus knows this. Like, he knows her deeply, right? So he's doubling down on this counter-cultural engagement, right? First of all, she's a Samaritan, shouldn't be talking to her at all. Second of all, she's a pretty promiscuous lady, and, you know, Jesus being Jesus, right? Why would he even be in a one-on-one -on -one situation with a woman like that, right? Um, but here's what's important, okay? Jesus knew this, right, going into the whole conversation, and he chose to engage her anyway. Why? Because he values her. He values people, right? So we're going to move into our first point today of our conversation is we need to see people how Jesus sees people. And that's not always easy, right? Like that is one of those things that we have, right? Easier said than done. Um, because meeting people where they are, it's messy. It can be awkward. You know, our favorite word, inconvenient. Um, but Jesus doesn't see it that way. Jesus sees people who need grace, who need mercy, who need hope. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pivot to a story here real quick. Um, pictured on the screen here is a gentleman by the name of Pendulet. Um, maybe you've seen or heard he is a magician. Uh, I think in Christian terms, we would call them an illusionist. Very popular, um, but a very outspoken atheist as well. Um, and a handful of years ago, he put out um, a video log that you can watch on YouTube. You can, you can Google it and look it up. Um, about an interaction that he had with a fan. Um, and I, I want to share this story because I think, it's, I think it's massively impactful for what we're looking and what we're talking about here today. 
So I'm going to paraphrase the story, but I'm going to also come back and talk to specifically the words that he says. And he tells a story of this businessman who approached him after a show. So show's over, line of people trying to get autographs, get merch, things like that. And he said, this gentleman was there for the entire time, but kind of stayed over to the side, was waiting for all the lines to get through so he could have what Penn calls uh, a close interaction. And uh, when the crowd kind of dispersed, he came over to Penn and he said, hey, um, you know, appreciate the show, just said nothing but nice things, and Penn just talks about how cordial he was and how nice he was and how real the experience was, um, so much so that he reiterates it a second time. He's like, I'm, he's like I'm just, I want you to understand the interaction that I had with this gentleman was, was unique, and it was wonderful, and it was great, and it was not filled with empty flattery. Like, this, this guy was here, and he was saying really nice, kind words to me. And uh, after that, he said, the gentleman said, I brought you this, and he handed Penn a small New Testament Gideon Bible. Um, he wrote his number on it. He said that he had like uh, five phone numbers, three emails. Any way that that guy, if Penn wanted to get a hold of that guy, he could. Um, and I thought, that, I thought that was interesting. Um, but he says, he's like, I believe this man knew that I'm an atheist. And he looked me in the eye and he said very nice, kind words to me. And he, you could tell in that interaction that he valued me that he cared about me enough, knowing what I believe and knowing where I'm from, he cared enough to tell me uh, about Jesus. And then I'm going to pick this up and read this, because these are, these are Penn's words, and I don't, I don't want to mix it up, because what he says here is, is kind of crazy. He says, if you believe that there's a heaven and hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you think it's not really worth telling them because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that. <sighs> Ouch. Ouch. I will tell you that hit me like a ton of bricks. I watched this video 15 times this past week while I was preparing for this. And every time I read it, I'm like, I am not even close to taking advantage of the opportunities that I have. But it's important. He goes on to say, if I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was a truck coming down on you and you didn't believe it, but that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point in time where I just tackle you. And he's like, and this is so much more important than that interaction. So let's marinate on that for a minute. I know for me personally, that's tough. That's tough to hear because we live in a busy world and sometimes it's inconvenient, and sometimes it's messy. But the words that he chose are so, mm, like, a, like a knife in my heart. So, this to say, no one is too far gone or too far out of Jesus' love, okay? And we need to be engaging people, even those that, in this situation, knew specifically, didn't care anything about God, doesn't believe anything he says, still took the time uh, to, to show the love of God to him. So we're going to move on, and we're going to jump back to the scripture here. Um, into verse 36, we're going to pick up where Jesus is kind of having a conversation uh, with his disciples. And he says this, even, even now, the one who reaps, I'm sorry, <clears throat> the one who reaps draws a wage and, and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. 
I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So we look back at this gentleman, right, who's out there who's been doing the hard work. And I mean, you know, this one interaction with, with Pendulette is one thing, but I, I, I can't believe that that gentleman that's out there hasn't had that conversation with tens of hundreds of people, you know, in his grasp, right? Um, so we move on to our second point today, which is we need to listen for and act on open door opportunities. Easier said than done again, right, team? Um, you know, listening for being ready is one thing. You, know, you can mentally prepare yourself to have the interaction. But when it comes upon you, acting on it sometimes is a little bit more difficult. Um, especially, you know, if it's something that you've never done before. You know, if you're relatively new in the faith, and you're like, oh, I, I don't know what to do here. Like, what do I do? What do I say? We're going to jump back here. Um, and we're going to go back to the woman at the well. And see if we can't find a couple pointers here. Because she does some really great things. So we're going to jump back into verse 29. And look at what she says here. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and they made their way towards him. Okay, so this lady just has an interaction with Jesus. Just has it. Maybe an hour. I have no idea. She walked back to town and started telling people, come, see, right? She's not some biblical scholar, right? She hasn't been around Jesus, follow him. She's not a disciple, right? She had one interaction with him, and she was like, this guy, there's something different. you got to come check this out. So what do, we, what do we do? How do we take that? Invite, right? Bring people here. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be some Bible scholar, right? You don't even have to have your life together. I don't, <laughs> you know, but Jesus does the work, okay? So come, see. Um, you know, I think what's, what's interesting is what happens next. So we're going to jump ahead. Right? So she goes to town, tells everybody what she sees, come see this guy. And then we pick back up um, in verse 39 through 42. And this is what happens. She says, go, she goes, come and see. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We now have heard this for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. What did she do? She said, come and see. And then they came, they saw, they witnessed, and they're like, we believe because you told us your awesome story. But now that we're here and we've heard this, we've heard the word, there's no doubt about it. Right? We're excited. This is, this is amazing stuff that's happening. And what I want to tell you right now is that we can take from this application-wise is your story is powerful. We all have unique stories, right, that, that can touch people's lives. Now, my story may be different than yours and from yours and from yours. Um, and mine might not touch everybody, but it'll touch somebody. And yours might not touch the same people that I would touch, but it'll touch somebody. And what's important to look at here is, to, is you're thinking to yourself maybe, I ain't telling that story. You know, that story's embarrassing. Uh, that story's shameful. My story is dark. Uh, or maybe you're on the opposite side and you're like, uh, my story's kind of boring. You know, I, it's kind of uneventful. Um, I don't see how my story could really be impactful. Here's what's important. At some point, Jesus entered your life and made a change. 
your story is his story. And that's what makes it powerful. Jesus does the work, right? Jesus does the work. Tell that story. Invite people to come, okay? I'm going to pivot here real quick. Um, and, tell a quick, and tell a quick story. Uh, so interesting to me, and I wasn't going to share this, but I, I did last service, and I, I want to share it again because I think it's impactful. Um, in the world that I work in, I work remotely, so most of my interactions with my team members and the people are, are via Teams, emails, chats, things like that. I don't get a chance to really go to a water cooler or sit down and have lunch with somebody and really tell stories. One of the guys uh, on my team that sits in, sits in Ohio um, is a site that we have unfortunately lost business with and he's looking, he doesn't know what to do. Um, I had a chance to engage with him a little while back when, when the news broke and he was really unsure of what was happening and what to do and where life was going. And I said, can I just, can I pray with you via Teams? And uh, he kind of he smirked a little bit um, and he started to cry and I got a little emotional. I still am because his story is just, it's crazy to me. He's like, I stepped away from, from church and, you know, and, and things of religion several years ago. Um, and he's like, it's interesting now that as things are so uncertain, I don't know what's happening, I don't know what to do, um, that I just happened to run into you today. And I did. I took a second, I prayed with him, and, uh, you know, and, I, and I, I believe in my heart that he's a believer and just kind of you know, walked away for a while. But it was so crazy to just invest in somebody. Okay, like there's people around you that you engage with every single day and your time is more valuable than you think it is. Again, I go, I go back to, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have their solution. Just listen, just be there, just hear what they have to say, you know? And you will have these opportunities. You know, these are those open door moments that I'm, that I'm talking about that we were just kind of you know, reflecting on here a moment ago, right? You know, you'll have an, a chance to invest in somebody's life. And that wasn't a salvation moment, whatever, but it was, a, it was a rededication kind of moment for him. And I was like, this is awesome. And I'm pumped about that. And I got, I got excited inside. And I'm, and I'm happy about it. And I chat with him regularly now. Um, and it's fun because we can have, you know, uh, I don't want to say religious conversation. We can talk about what we're learning and how things are going. And we're just on a completely different level um, now because of, because of the connection that we have through Christ. And what I want to take a moment to pause is that there's a lot of people in this room today. And I don't want to just assume that um, you, know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Or maybe you're thinking, yeah, not really sure where you're going with all this, Phil. You know, I'm, you know, a friend invited me here, and I'm here, and I'm listening. So let me tell you today that I hope that today may be the day that you become found. And we have a ton of folks around here uh, with lanyards, with their name tags on them. Myself, Kurt, Adam, would love to talk to you. Would love to take some time to just tell you about the things that we're talking about today, because Jesus values you in every situation that you happen to be in and wherever you've come from, you have value. And I want to share that with you. And Jesus values you so much, so much so that he went to the cross and died for you so that you could have an eternal relationship with him. And I would love to talk with you about that later today. Now, I'm going to loop back real quick and uh, just kind of kind of quick recap. So here's what we need to take away today. We need to see others as Jesus sees them. Right, wrong, indifferent, good, bad, ugly. Uh, you're going to have some goofy interactions. They're not always going to be pleasant, but, but they're important nonetheless. 
And we need to be listening for it and acting on open door opportunities. Praying, God, can you just give me, give me one opportunity that would be so abundantly clear that I can't walk away from it. I just, I just know that I need, to, I need to share with somebody or I need to invest in this person. Um, and be ready for those. Be ready to just tell your story. Okay? It's, Jesus will do the work in the heart of that individual. Just let them know that you're there for them, that you have a story, and let them know how Jesus has changed your life. Okay? It might not be the same thing. You, maybe you're struggling with addiction and they've got a marriage problem. It, either way, Jesus has stepped into your life to change it in some way, and it can step into somebody else's life and change it equally as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time that we can get together, uh, look into your word, try and grow and learn to be more like you, God. <sighs> we know that it is difficult sometimes to engage people. We're busy. Things are happening. Life is hard. Life is busy. But you value people. And we should also value people. Guys, pray that uh, everyone in this room this morning that knows you would have an opportunity this week to share that love, to share that hope. And God, if anyone in this room doesn't know you, I would pray that today would be the day they seek someone out to be found. God, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for all the goodness that you have. And we thank you that you value us. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.